Welcome home to philosophy, where we wonder about everything and anything is possible. Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Corey, the Laughing Philosopher. Life is complicated. The world is complicated. And you are complicated. Figuring out how to live a happy, meaningful life, guided by wisdom and reason, is not easy. Is life a game? What is love? Should I fear death? Is this a just world? Almost from the moment of birth, you've been told how to behave, how to fit in, and how to fulfill other people's expectations. You fear that you will lack importance or cease to exist in the lives of others if you think for yourself and question the rules and roles you've been told define you. Wisdom and reason will remove this illusion so you can live authentically in the world around you, find your true purpose, and become your real self. Episode number 75. Philosophically, is abortion right or wrong? The Supreme Court of the United States now demands that you ask and answer some of the most fundamental questions in philosophy. Does a human fetus possess personhood? Do the rights of the mother outweigh the rights of the fetus? Should women have the right to choose when and whether to have a child. Is forced pregnancy right or wrong? On Friday, June 24, 2022, the Supreme Court decided that through its voters and elected representatives, each one of the 50 states has the right to make up its own individual answers to these important questions. It's time to make up your mind, my friend. If the Supreme Court's decision feels like a crisis, then perhaps philosophy can show you the way out of this crisis. In the next few minutes, my goal is to explain the abortion debate through the mind of a philosopher. And I will help you reason through these and other important questions in order to find answers that agree with your own wisdom, experience, and good sense. Let's get to it. Is the human fetus a person? The pro-life viewpoint attributes personhood and therefore all of the rights and privileges of a person to the fetus. The pro-choice viewpoint denies personhood and the rights and privileges of a person 
to the fetus. As we are about to see, both viewpoints will lead you down a dead-end street. The human embryo is a human being. The human embryo is a member of the human species. It is a human organism. It shares our genetic code and may grow into a fully developed human being. However, just as an acorn is not an oak tree, an embryo is not a person. However, this doesn't settle or even address the question of the personhood of the fetus. What does it mean to be a person? Personhood is a special status. A person possesses a personal identity and a sense of self. A person is capable of engaging intelligently with the world around him or her. A person possesses a conscience. A person has passions and desires. A person is rational and capable of abstract reasoning. A person is called to happiness. A person is a moral being capable of understanding right and wrong. A person possesses a highly developed brain capable of articulate speech and use of a complex language. A person is capable of planning for the future. A person has social relationships with significant others. Thus, a person comes into existence when a human being is capable of engaging in these types of complex activities and social functions. A baby who is self-aware with preferences and desires is a toddler who begins to manipulate conventional language is an adult human being is so is the fetus a human person if the fetus is a person then it has the same rights and privileges as an adult human being if it is not then it does not have such rights the pro-choice viewpoint is that a fetus has none of the defining essential characteristics of a fully developed human being therefore a fetus ought to be considered a non-person. What a fetus already is, is more important than what a fetus can become. This is the chief cornerstone of the pro-choice viewpoint. An acorn is the fruit of an oak tree. This little acorn may or may not grow 
into a big and beautiful oak tree. Not all acorns become oak trees. Some acorns are crushed underfoot by hikers. Some acorns are eaten by squirrels. Some fallen acorns land on the sidewalk and can't sprout and grow into a tree. Factually, science says that only one in 10,000 acorns ever become an oak tree. Should there be a law requiring every acorn to become a new oak tree? Why must every fetus, by law, become a fully developed human being? You just found out you're five weeks pregnant. The fetus growing inside you is barely the size of a sesame seed. The chief cornerstone of the pro-life viewpoint is this. What a fetus can become is more important than what a fetus already is. A fetus, though not yet capable, possesses the potential to develop into a being capable of engaging in these advanced activities and sociological functions. Therefore, it is a potential person and the sesame seed inside you ought to be accorded the same rights and privileges as a fully developed adult human being. The pro-choice viewpoint, basically, was introduced in the philosophy of John Locke, the 17th century English philosopher. The pro-life viewpoint can be traced way back in time to the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle. Aristotle argued that the fetus is a person. John Locke argued that it is not. Surprisingly then, the abortion debate centers on the competing opinions of two philosophers. And you thought philosophy doesn't matter. If he were here right now, John Locke would argue that abortion is moral and permissible. Abortion does not terminate the life of a person. Abortion doesn't kill a baby. Abortion is not murder. And Aristotle is straining the gnat and swallowing the camel. The fetus is not more important than the mother. An acorn is not more important than a fully developed oak tree. Just ask a homeless bird trying to build a nest. However, isn't it strangely inconsistent that pro-choice advocates do not treat Alzheimer's demented elderly 
having lost the capacity for rational thought as something less than a human person. If he were alive today, Aristotle would argue that abortion is just as immoral as terminating the life of an adult human being. Abortion is murder. The fetus is more important than the mother. An acorn is more important than a fully grown oak tree. Just ask a hungry squirrel trying to find something to eat. However, isn't it strangely inconsistent that pro-life advocates do not mourn the death of a fetus in the same way they mourn the death of a toddler. Mediocre thinkers tend to choose a middle way between the Lockean and Aristotelian viewpoints. A human embryo is considered a non-person while a sufficiently developed fetus is considered to be a human person. But just when is an acorn sufficiently developed to be considered an oak tree? Just when is a fetus sufficiently developed to be considered a baby? How many weeks in the womb before a fetus becomes a person. What height must a person reach in order to be tall? How much money does it take to be rich? How many grains of sand does it take to make a heap? How many hairs make a head bald? How many cigarettes must a person smoke in order to cause cancer? At what age do you stop being a child? At what age does a fetus start being a baby? The debate over the rightness and wrongness of abortion centers on the question of whether and when a fetus becomes a person. Philosophers argue that such questions are simply unanswerable. So this mediocre approach leads society down a depressingly dead-end street. Some philosophers, and I am one of these, prefer a different more enlightening approach. Setting aside the irresolvable question of whether a fetus ever becomes a person with adult rights and privileges, consider the following indisputable facts. In the beginning, when you are born, you enter the world with two important things that were not in the world before you were born. You bring these two things into the world with you. 
And whenever you die and leave this world, you take away with you these same two important things. The two things are your body and your mind. Your body and mind are unique to you. No two faces are the same. No two people have the same fingerprints. No two lip impressions are the same. No two people have the same personality. No two people have the same wisdom and experiences. No two people have the same memories. No two people have the same beliefs and convictions. No two people have the same life history. No two people have the same body or the same mind. At the moment of death, your body and mind leave this world and there will never be another body or another mind in this universe just like yours. Sir Edward Dyer's famous poem, My mind to me a kingdom is, is all about the human mind. Among all things that give you a sense of happiness and satisfaction, your most important possession is your mind. That's why Dyer compares it to a kingdom. You are the sole ruler of this kingdom. The beauty and power of the human mind is more extraordinary, more valuable, and more precious than all worldly things. Yet, there is no threat from anyone capturing it. It belongs to you. It's your kingdom forever. Listen to the first stanza. My mind to me a kingdom is. Such present joys therein I find that it excels all other bliss that earth affords or grows by kind. Though much I want that most would have, yet still my mind forbids to crave. To none of these I yield as thrall. For why? My mind doth serve for all. Your body and mind are your most important and most precious possessions. Your body and mind also are your only lasting possessions. In death, everything else you own will be left behind. No matter how wealthy you are, your heirs will inherit everything to the last penny. No matter how famous you are, you will not be remembered. Your mansion will be sold. Your fancy office will be occupied. Your trophy wife or husband will remarry. Your best friends will make 
new best friends. Your children will make new children. How many times have you spoken your great-grandfather's name for any reason in the past 12 months? Do you know your great-grandmother's maiden name? Do you know your great-grandfather's chosen profession? Don't worry about how you will be remembered. Time, it has no pity. Your body and mind are your most precious and only lasting possessions. If not for you, your body and mind wouldn't be in this world. And at the end of your life, as you exit this world, your mind and body go too. Your body and mind are your first, last, and only true possessions. At any point in your life, your mind and body belong only to you. You are the only person in this world with the right to control your body and mind. Only you have the right to decide what happens to your body and your mind. No one has the right to use your body or mind against your will to benefit someone else. Just imagine, a stranger needs a rare blood transfusion to go on living, and you are the only possible donor. You have the right to refuse. Now imagine the other person is the President of the United States. You still have the right to refuse. No one ought to control your body but you, its sole owner. And no one ought to force you to use your body for the benefit of someone else. Imagine, you are kidnapped, drugged, and while unconscious, without your consent, your blood is transfused into the veins of Abraham Lincoln after he is shot by John Wilkes Booth. You save the life of the greatest president. So why is this considered immoral? Because forced labor is slavery. Looked at another way, who should govern the house? The owner of the house or the tenant? Who should govern a woman's body? The owner of the body or the fetus? In a just world, the rights of the owner should outweigh the rights of the tenant. The rights of the mother should outweigh the rights of the fetus. In a just world, a woman should have the right to decide when and whether to have a child. Forced childbirth is slavery. 
lose control of your body or your mind, and you lose the special status of personhood. Ban abortion, and a pregnant woman loses all of the rights and privileges of a person who possesses and controls her own body from birth to death. If an adult female human being loses control of her body, then what kind of creature is she? Pregnant or not, she is a non-person. She exists only as a commodity, something of use, value, or advantage. She exists only to serve, like a hammer, or an umbrella, or a slave. Forced pregnancy is slavery. Looked at another way, how do you prefer to err? If you can't decide how to be right, then perhaps you can decide how to be wrong. After all, you are not infallible. Suppose you are wrong. Would you prefer to err in favor of the fetus or the gods? Would you prefer to err in favor of freedom of choice or control without freedom? For what it's worth, it's pretty clear what God prefers. God prefers freedom with the risk of disorder rather than conformity without freedom. Otherwise, God would have created beings without the distinctly human capacity for free will, used good humans to populate heaven and bad humans to populate hell, and just skipped all the earthly naughtiness, horsing around, and monkey business. In a Christian society, Jesus' preference should be even more conspicuous, executed by the authorities for the crime of thinking for himself and making up his own mind, Jesus preferred to be true to himself and to reason for himself and to follow his own judgment and good sense. Jesus was a rebel. He refused to believe as he was told, and he refused to act as he was told. Jesus preferred freedom of thought and freedom of choice, even with the risk of wrongdoing, rather than conformity and social control without freedom. Is forced motherhood and fatherhood right or wrong? If you can't decide whether it's right or wrong, then perhaps you can decide what you want to be right if you're wrong. 
Suppose you are the type of person who just can't make up your mind. You just can't choose one viewpoint over the other. At this point, it may be helpful to consider what will happen if you're wrong. For example, in banning abortion, many pro-life states do not make an exception even to save the life of the mother. Pro-life advocates argue that the mother's life must be sacrificed if her death becomes necessary to save the life of the fetus. Keep in mind that there is substantial doubt and disagreement about the personhood of the fetus. The fetus may or may not be a person with all of the rights and privileges of personhood. However, the mother, without a doubt, is a fully developed human being and, without a doubt, does possess the special status of personhood. Therefore, if you decide wrongly, how would you prefer to err? If you choose to be pro-life and you choose wrongly, then the mother, who undoubtedly is a person, needlessly dies. However, if you choose to be pro-choice and you choose wrongly, then the fetus, who may or may not be a person, needlessly dies. Different errors have different consequences. So, how do you prefer to be wrong? The rational decision is to be pro-choice, not pro-life. If you're pro-life and wrong, then maybe it is a person, the fetus, that will go on living. However, if you're pro-choice and wrong, then undoubtedly it is a person, the mother, that will go on living. If you are pro-choice and wrong, then definitely you will save the life of a person. If you are pro-life and wrong, maybe, maybe not. The abortion debate is not complicated. We just make it complicated. From a distance, the debate looks ugly and confusing. But close up, it's pretty clear and not that hard. Ignorance just makes it difficult. Don't give in to ignorance. Simone Weil said this of your desire for wisdom. He will beat his head against the wall until he faints. He will come to again 
and look with terror at the wall until one day he begins afresh to beat his head against it and once again he will faint and so on endlessly and without hope one day he will wake up on the other side of the wall he has found the key he has passed beyond what men call intelligence into the beginning of wisdom congratulations my friend how does it feel to wake up on the other side of the wall Thank you for listening. I hope you will take what you've learned and be a better person. Think for yourself. Question everything. Accept nothing that does not agree with your own reason and good sense. And I promise you, despite its sham and drudgery, you will get on pretty well in this crazy world. I'm Dr. Robert Corey. Until we meet again, be good. <laughs>